Check out award-winning Johnson & Boone Solicitor's unique product, Legal Guard. Ideal for businesses and individuals, Legal Guard ensures you get the legal help you need when you need it. Packages start from just £24 a month and include free expert advice, access to a library of legal documents, as well as exclusive discounts on a range of services. For more information, visit johnsonandboone.co.uk forward slash legal guard and quote the code FITCHESH. You're listening to Johnson & Boone Solicitors Podcast exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome everyone to episode 17 of the Johnson & Boone Podcast. My name's Mark. With me this week is another member of the team. We've got uh, Jonathan back for his second podcast ever. How are we doing, Jonathan? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Yourself? I'm not too bad at all. It's nice to see your smiling face. Uh, although, of course, for audio purposes, uh, people will just have to take my word for it that you are indeed smiling. That's the one. I'm always smiling. <laughs> um, now, before we get into the usual information that I pass out, uh, what is the topic that we're going to be covering with you today? Just coming back to revisit a, a topic we previously covered, um, just to update the present position with regards to where we're at as to residential evictions, what's happened since we last did the podcast, and obviously all the updates that have come since then. Okay, so COVID nineteen introduced a, a number of different rules, didn't it? The government has allowed a little bit more leeway with tenants and the like and and just to provide some protection during this covid lockdown uh, and i assume you're, you're now going to update us on how everything's just changed slightly or what landscape is probably going to look like in the near future yeah i mean there's been quite a few changes i mean i'll just do a quick recap just to sort of set out what the position was and sort of where things are and what we can do from here so uh, you will have realized that when i mentioned episode 17 there are 16 other episodes that you can go and check out what we do is each week we cover one of the areas of expertise that johnson and boone uh, offer as a service and try and provide some tips and some help for people within those area of expertise if you want to check out those previous episodes then you can do so on the johnson and boone website which is johnsonandboone.co.uk you can listen to them on the mobile app which is free to download on both apple and android app stores um, or you can catch them on all major podcast platforms so apple uh, google spotify uh, Deezer, Stitcher, there's quite a few there. Um, if you want to find an easy link to those platforms, and if you go to the website, you'll actually see an image with the different platforms. You just click on that, it'll take you straight through. You can subscribe, and as soon as the latest episode drops, it will automatically upload onto whatever device you use to listen to. It's that easy. Um, of course, we would also say that if you do have any topics that you want to suggest or you've got any questions on the back, of anything that's been discussed then just send an email to info at johnsonandboon.co.uk or you can direct message us on any of the social media pages that we have it's facebook twitter instagram and linkedin so uh, whichever suits your preference really um right okay so i tell you what it's probably easier if we do a, a quick recap i guess of 
the evictions and the different types of evictions, Jonathan, um, so that people can sort of understand what it is that we're going to be talking about for the duration of this episode. Yeah, sure, no problem. So there's sort of two forms of evictions that most residential tenancies will come under. So there's a Section 21 eviction and a Section 8 eviction. And uh, I'll just quickly sort of go through each of them. There's been a couple of developments um, since I think Rod did the last podcast as well. And uh, I can just bring them up to speed as well. So dealing first with the Section 21 evictions, they're usually non-fault evictions. So the landlord just wants the property back. There's no one specifically specifically done anything wrong. And um, the landlord's just saying that I'd like you to vacate now and uh, I want my property back. Um, for them to do that, they've got to issue a specified form. Um, it used to be before the COVID stipulations that it was a two months notice. And that would then require the tenant to vacate within that two months. And if they don't vacate within that time, then obviously court proceedings may then follow if the landlord wants to proceed through with the eviction. Um, for a Section 21 notice to be valid, there are certain stipulations that the landlord has to adhere to. So they must have provided an energy performance certificate. They must have provided a how to rent checklist. And the deposit itself must have been protected. Um, and I think my colleague Mark did a, a podcast last week in relation to sort of the effects of the failure to protect the deposits there and what that may mean. Um, one significant development that has come on lately is in relation to the gas safety certificates. Um, the prescribed regulations initially stated that if the gas safety certificate was not correctly done and not correctly issued at the time of the tenancy being entered into, then it was a once and for all bar. You couldn't rectify that error. Um, there has since been a new case that's gone into the Court of Appeal. It's a case of Chappell House Limited and Rousefield. And the court um, made the decision that as long that now, that as long as the gas safety certificate has been uh, correctly uh, put into place before the notice is issued, then the notice will now still be valid. It doesn't have to have been in place at the time that the uh, tenancy first started. It just has to be in place before the notice is issued, as with all the other bits of information there as well. Um, moving on then in terms of the Section 8 eviction, that's usually where a fault eviction would come in. So there's been some breach of the tenancy agreement. Um, again, for the landlord to issue the Section 8 claim, they have to do it on specified notice. And there are 17 grounds of eviction underneath the Section 8 notice. Generally speaking, the landlord will be issuing the Section 8 notice where it's two months or more in arrears. Um, the Section 8 notice requires the tenant to bring the arrears back to within two months, within 14 days. And if they don't do it within that time period, then the landlord can then commence um, eviction proceedings to, uh, to evict the tenant. There are other grounds as well, where they've been antisocial, um, where furniture in the property has been misused, where the condition of the property has fallen below a reasonable standard through the fault of the tenant. And generally, we find that it's through the rent arrears of being more than two months that a landlord will come to us, and that's the general ground um, that we use, that and persistently late in, in making payments as well. Um, and then, obviously, if the tenant doesn't vacate within that period, court proceedings will follow again on that basis. Okay. Uh, 
what is the legal position now then? And is the current legal position the one that was altered by the lockdown changes? It's all um, fluid, I think, is possibly the best way to put it at the moment. So originally, you know, you had your two months on your Section 21 and you had 14 days on your Section 8. Um, when COVID obviously hit and March came in, the government enacted the Coronavirus Act 2020, and that sort of moved everything around a bit. So on the Section 21 notice, the time that you have to give the tenant now notice to vacate was three months. And that also then applied into the Section 8 notice as well. It then followed on the back of that, that because of the crisis, the government didn't want a mass eviction when the landlord suddenly realised that no one could pay their rent, generally through no fault of their own. They've been furloughed, they've been made unemployed, or there's been other issues that have come because of the crisis. So the government imposed a, a flat ban on any eviction Essentially, what that did was it asked the court to stay any eviction proceedings that were already in process, but also on the back of that, any new proceedings could be issued that would be automatically stayed by the court. Um, initially, that ran until the 25th of June, um, but the government then extended that and it now runs until the 23rd of August. Um, so up until the 23rd of August, no evictions can take place by order of the court. It's not official yet and it's not declared, but we anticipate that it's probably going to be extended again until October um, before any formal evictions can go through the court process. Um, but again, it's with a pinch of salt that we'll say that because it's so fluid, the situation. If there's another flare-up, another wave or it might just be that come October, the court are in a position that they can recommence the evictions. Now, it's a, it, it, it's a tricky one. It's quite understandable, really, and, and I'm, I'm trying to sit on the fence here because I don't have a horse in either race, but it's, it's quite understandable why the government would want to protect people from just being evicted because somebody wants the house back at this moment in time because everything's so uncertain just a little bit of stability in every area they can possibly manage seems to be a sensible idea um, i can also understand the protections that they want to afford to people in terms of rent arrears however of course there is always a flip side to these sorts of things uh, when the lockdown measures were first introduced people were able to get mortgage holidays for paying the mortgage and for landlords this was obviously essential if they had a tenant who wasn't able to pay rent uh, there is often a misconception i guess that landlords are rich and these properties are all paid for and both you and i know full well that many landlords have mortgages on these properties and have to uh, service those mortgages largely from the rent that they receive from their tenants so if they aren't receiving rent, they are in essence being put into a form of hardship themselves. With the eviction rules that you've just been mentioned and certainly with it being extended to the 23rd of August and possibly beyond there again, what's the position for landlords if they've got tenants who aren't paying rent? Because one assumes at some point there's something's got to give. Yeah, it's a really fine line and it falls down on the fact that even though they've got a sitting tenant who's, for whatever reason, unable to pay their rent at this time, 
they can't just evict the tenant. They've still got to follow any of the formal processes that are in place that we previously discussed there. It's always difficult with the landlords as to what's best to advise them because what we're trying to do, and I think what the courts eventually will try and do as well, is get the tenant and the landlord to speak together to try and come to some sort of agreement in relation to rental payments. Um, it's not just the case that the courts, I think, are going to allow a landlord just at the end of all this to just suddenly say, right, I want the property back, out you go. Because it's going to leave a lot of tenants owing rent arrears and not being in a position to pay them and then finding themselves homeless and again finding themselves without any good reference from a landlord if they need to go and rent again. Um, You've mentioned the mortgage break schemes there as well. I think they were a key aid to many landlords. Um, it allowed them to afford a bit of flexibility to those tenants that couldn't uh, make their payments. Um, but that will come to an end in October as well. And the position beyond that at the moment remains uncertain. Obviously, a landlord at that point, they're not getting any further mortgage breaks or any assistance of that basis. They've got properties of their own as well. So in some cases, we've got landlords paying two mortgages and they're not going to be able to afford to do both. And they're going to have to, at that point, make an unfortunate decision as to what do they do. Do they allow the tenant to stay in rent-free or do they begin the eviction process? And obviously, you know, it's a tricky one to start there. So what would your recommendations be then for what a landlord can do right at this moment in time? Is it better that they at least serve notices and try and issue and get their ducks in a row now, even if they're not able to do anything at this current moment in time? Or is it just as well just to hold tight? It's going to be dependent on each person's financial position, I think is the honest answer to that one, Mark. If it's the case of they know it's going to come to a tricky position come sort of August and October, then yeah. I think our advice would have to be to start the process. Reasons behind that being are that it's a minimum of three months before they can do anything. If it's the case they can't get their, as you say, their house in order, and they know they're going to be in a tricky position come the end of the next couple of months, really, um, to start the process as soon as possible. Um, any notice that they give now won't take effect till October. So we're in July now, so any notice that's served this month won't come into effect till October for a tenant to vacate. And therefore, if it's a case of they know that that's going to be the position, they might as well start it now. Um, equally, any landlord that's previously issued a notice, either prior to the lockdown situation or over the last few months, um, they're all going to be in a notice period, but they're just going to have to be mindful as well that any notice that they give has a, a limitation on the end of it. So a Section 21 notice has six months from the date that you've issued the notice to the client. So you have to have commenced the proceedings within that period, or you're going to have to serve a new notice again, and then that's just going to extend time. And with a Section 8 notice, you have 12 months from the date of notice to begin your eviction proceedings. And again, if you don't do it within that time period, you're going to have to serve a new notice and that's going to extend time again. And all that time, the landlords are not getting any rent. I think to advise fully, 
would depend on each landlord's personal situation. But I think on balance, the advice would have to be that if you're worried or if you're not sure what the position is going to be come the end of it, that you begin the process sooner rather than later. But obviously, we'd be happy to advise on an individual basis on that. And we we probably sound a bit like a broken record. And for that, I guess I sort of apologise, but there is a reason for it. Ultimately, dialogue is always the best way forward to try and resolve everything amicably i guess chatting with the tenant to see what their position is helping understand their situation they may in turn understand the landlord's situation speak to the mortgage company so everyone knows and then and then you can possibly try and find an amicable solution i guess the eviction process is kind of when everything breaks down or you're not getting those reassurances that you need to make sure that at least your side of the the equation is taken care of yeah, it's got to be reasonable discourse. As I say before, we're, we're reasonably confident that the court are going to have expected you to have exhausted all options before you begin the eviction process. And I think that needs to be a sensible course of action to do. If you can go down that road, and one, it saves a landlord on cost, for the, you know, cost of the eviction proceedings and chasing the rent arrears and enforcing any judgment that they do get and secondly it works better for the tenant as well if you can sort of come to some agreement it's less stress as well um, because obviously a landlord's not going to be sleeping at night as a tenant possibly isn't knowing that there's rent arrears coming knowing that they can't afford to pay them and each one of them has their own separate worries in relation to that that's very much from a landlord's perspective there is of course two sides to every story and indeed some tenants will find themselves in a difficult situation through no fault of their own whether it be they've just got a landlord who's decided they want rid of them whether it's for reason good reasons or not or that they may have found themselves in a hardship situation whether it be uh, that they've been made redundant or are self-employed and cash flows dried up. So what kind of things can we help tenants with um, in terms of resolving those issues? Because it's a very scary situation to find yourself in when, for all intents and purposes, if a worst-case scenario occurs, you find yourself and, indeed, your family homeless. Yeah, it's been worrying times for them. The regulations that came into place didn't really assist the tenants in, in some respects. Rent is still lawfully due. The, a renter, a tenant has had no break. There's been no, like the landlords have had the mortgage break. There was no rent break ever ordered or anything to that extent. Um, so a tenant, as much as they can, should still be paying their rent as and when it falls due. What do you do when you can't pay your rent? That, that's obviously the situation a lot of people have come up against. Our advice to a lot of the calls that we took earlier in the year was to have that chat with your landlord. Before you do that, though, sit down with your finances. What can you do? Um, we always suggest review your finances. Can you pay all of it? If so, you should. If you can't, what can you pay? Can you pay three quarters? Can you pay half? Can you then later on, once your finances stabilise, start to repay what you owe in arrears and come up with a payment plan and fix that in your mind and fix that to your finances? 
and then go and have that chat with your landlord. We found that landlords were much more receptive when a tenant can walk up to them and go, right, this is the problem and this is my solution, rather than a tenant going to the landlord going, that can't pay, sorry, and that being their only response. So where a landlord was able to see that the tenant was doing all that they could, most of the feedback we got was that, yep, great, let's roll with that. But equally, we were also getting landlords calling us when they just said, no, I'm not paying, I can't, and that's tough. Um, So it's been an advice on both sides of the aisle there. And not every landlord is a good landlord. Um, (laughs) I I mean, we we touched on earlier about problem tenants causing problems for good landlords. There is very much a reverse version of that story where you have bad landlords, you have landlords lacking empathy or sympathy and and who will be quite bullish about wanting somebody out without necessarily understanding or giving as much consideration to the circumstances as perhaps they might what sort of rights does a tenant need to understand and perhaps take steps to enforce if they find themselves in that unfortunate situation yeah, again, we've seen that happen where the landlords just, we've seen where cases where people have just been booted out for no reason at all. Landlords have changed locks and they can't get back into the house when they've been out. And, you know, it, it's been quite a frightening situation for some tenants. It comes back to what we were talking about before. The, the landlord cannot evict a tenant without giving lawful notice they've got to either give a Section 21 notice or a Section 8 notice, or in other cases, an abandonment notice, but we won't touch on that just with this. I had one tenant came to me, um, her and her partner both lost their jobs due to COVID. They were brought back onto benefits and they approached their landlord saying, look, we can still pay the rent, but unfortunately we're having to rely on the housing benefit coming through to us and that's going to be a few weeks before that feeds through. Um, The landlord on that occasion was quite unreasonable in saying, well, I don't want anyone who's on benefits in my house. Despite the fact that prior to being made unemployed, they were both professionals, they were both employed, they had a good long-standing history of paying their rent. It was simply a benefits issue. Um, And he just ended the tenancy and told them to leave um, unfortunately, they had left by the time they came to us for the advice, so it was limited in, in how we could assist. But on that occasion, the landlord hadn't given any proper notice. There was no formal reason for allowing the um, or demanding the um, tenants vacate. And indeed, I think today a court decision has come through um, saying that it is now an offence under the Equality Act for a landlord to deny uh, a tenancy to a tenant who is on benefits. It, that's not a lawful reason for them um, denying them a, t- a tenancy at all. Um, it's still a fresh case that I haven't had a chance to read up on it. I think it's only come to, to light today from a court decision yesterday, Um, But we're hopeful that that will allow a lot of tenants a bit more security when it comes to situations exactly such as that. I mean, without getting broiled in the politics, many landlords started to avoid uh, benefit tenants when they changed the single tax credit scheme 
and the money, instead of being paid directly to the landlord, was being paid to the tenant who then had to pay the landlord. And there was that fear factor for landlords whether or not they were going to get the rent or whether the money was going to be spent in transit. Uh, and I suppose this this case that you've mentioned today, which was it's on the news, isn't it? So people can find articles about it quite readily. Um uh, people can now see that there is that they've sort of given a little bit of clarification on that that particular issue yes that's it it's um as you say it's the fear factor would the tenant then pass on the money uh, where they used to get it straight into their bank account um some landlords as you say went on to the point well no i'm, I'm not going to accept that i'm not going to accept you paying me and relying on you paying me and again, started pushing some tenants out. But again, that's not a lawful reason. And again, lawful notice will have to be given to do that. Um, what a lot of landlords don't seem to understand sometimes is, is that even if there's rent arrears and there's a lot of problems within the tenancy, they can't just change the locks. They can't just push them out the door. They've got to give one of the lawful notices for the tenant to vacate. Um, Coming back from a, a tenant's point of view, if the landlord is doing that, then obviously they need to seek proper legal advice as soon as possible. Um, there's always the exceptions on the Section 21 cases. A lot of landlords don't comply with the regulations. They haven't given sufficient certifications that we mentioned before, and that would invalidate a Section 21 notice. And with Section 8 notice as well, there is advice and, and help that we can give in relation to that. Um, in relation to you know assisting uh, avoid the eviction process if we can. Okay, uh, you mentioned before that the current rules are currently in place until sort of late August. There's been some indications that it may be extended to October. Now, the COVID situation is about as fluid as you're going to find, so things change on a daily basis. Uh, certainly there are rumours, uh, there appears to be growing fears, certainly from the likes of the NHS, that there is going to be a second bout of this virus in the winter because of the conditions, the cold conditions, which seem to help it thrive a bit better. And subject to there being a vaccine, which there may not be at that point, this this whole situation may blow up once again. Um what can we expect to see in the future so far as the extension to October? Uh, have you got your crystal ball there? Does it work? Does it need charging? Has it run out? Have Have you worn out your ability to predict the future given the, the crazy times that we're in? We've got a new one on order, let's put it that way. It's really hard to forecast what's going to happen at the moment. Uh, as you quite rightly say, Mark, it's a day-by-day situation. We can wake up one morning and the government's made a new announcement overnight that can rapidly change the entire legal environment. Going forward, I think I probably, again, it's not cast in stone and without the crystal ball, which is still waiting to be delivered, we do anticipate that it's going to be probably extended to October for the ban on evictions. On the back of that, then, we anticipate there is some rumblings within um, many um, so I've lost it. There are some rumblings within government of creating a new pre-action protocol 
um, for eviction cases. Um, so a pre-action protocol would require a certain set of conditions to have been met and attempted prior to the issuing of court proceedings. So reading logically through what's been said over the last few months and what we anticipate would be required would be the mediation between the landlord and the tenant. Has there been sufficient attempts to resolve this without reverting to the court and without the need for formal eviction proceedings? So I think we'll have to satisfy the court on that and we'll have to wait for the guidance to come out as to what that will be if indeed it does come. And obviously we can advise uh, potential clients further on that as time progresses there. So it's all going to be very much cooperation. The government want people to try and make a genuine attempt to cooperate with one another to find a resolution. If they don't feel that they can, they definitely have to show that they've made some genuine efforts. And if ultimately they haven't, then certainly the the, the, the noises that are being made are that they won't be able to progress to the next stage, which might allow them to evict uh, whether it be a, a, a tenant or a tenant may be able to challenge an eviction um, on that basis, really. Yeah, I mean, throughout all litigation, court proceedings are always seen as a last resort. The court always expects the parties to do everything they can to resolve matters between them before coming before the court. If an unscrupulous landlord has commenced all the notices, commenced all the proceedings, gone down that road and made no attempt whatsoever, the court are unlikely in the current situation to order an eviction. They will possibly vacate or suspend any proceedings that are in motion in order that the parties mediate to try and come to some sort of agreement. And then obviously if they can set on that basis, but if not, come back before the court at that time. But potentially the court will have a very dim view on any landlord that's brought the proceedings without attempting that in the first instance. And that may have impacts then on cost recovery or, or even getting an order, or indeed the case may just be struck out with an order to come back again. Um, we just don't know at this stage how draconian the court will come to that conclusion. But obviously, as things progress, as I say, we'll know more on a day-to-day basis as things come in later on in the year. But of course, if people aren't certain what to do or need some guidance and advice, you guys are the people to talk to to find out the answers to that question. Uh, it may be that the tenant hasn't been reasonable, the landlord has done everything within their powers, and it might be that there's antisocial behaviour going on in the property or illegal conduct and that they are well within their rights to want to take that property back, in which case, if they get some help from you, uh, presumably they will at least be able to have a better chance of making sure that they tick all the boxes that a judge is going to be looking at when considering whether or not to approve those sorts of notices. Yeah, that's it, Mark. There's so many pitfalls with regards to conviction proceedings. They have to be tick the right box, and it has to be spot on, or the court just essentially the claim fails when it comes before the court. We've seen cases in the past where landlords have commenced the claims themselves and come to us later on. But once we've looked at it, we've realised that either the note, the original notice to evict was defective or the court proceedings themselves are defective. And we've had to say to the, to the client to say, unfortunately, we're going to have to abandon what you started and start again, or at least seek the court's permission to amend 
because if you proceed through to a final hearing and everything isn't in order, the court will just throw the claim out. They won't allow you at that point to amend it. Um, and at that point, you've just got to start again. And that's obviously costly because by that time, you've got all the way to a final hearing. And if, whether it be a landlord who's looking for some advice or a tenant who just needs some guidance, um, who, how can they get in touch with you to get some help? Well, we've multimedia platforms to get in touch with us now. Um, they can contact us on the office, uh, 0151-637-2034, or the, via the website, and they can email in via that, info at johnsonandboon.co.uk. Uh, we now have a dedicated app as well, and they can contact us through the app. So, yeah, they can come through to us through other social media platforms as well, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and obviously we can monitor and reply to them on that forum. Uh, well, thank you very much for joining us today, Jonathan. That's been uh, really useful. Obviously, guys, get in touch with us if you do have any problems, questions, if something you've heard has either prompted you to need to ask for some guidance or even if you disagree with, with some of the things that have been said, let us know. Give us some feedback. We'd also very much appreciate if you do listen to the show, uh, giving us a review, whether it be on Apple, on uh, Google, uh, just so that we can get some some understanding of what we're doing well, what we can do better, what you might want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. And if you want to listen to the previous episode, which touched on the uh, eviction notice issue, actually you can go all the way back to episode one, uh, where we first touched on the whole crazy COVID situation. Um, Jonathan, I shall leave you to your evening, sir. Thank you very much for joining us. It was good to speak to you. Thanks, Mark. All the best. And we'll catch you next time. Ta-ra. Get social at Johnson & Boone on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.